Welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast Episode 17, starting in 2 John Chapter 1, Walking in Truth and Love. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the Gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. In this Episode 17, we begin our study in the book of 2 John. This is second to the shortest book in the New Testament, a postcard epistle, perhaps. In a short letter that would have fit on one piece of papyri, John is motivating his audience to action. All right, 2 John chapter 1. The elder, to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that remains in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth and keeping with the command we have received from the Father. So now I ask you, dear lady, not as if I were writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commands. This is the command as you have heard it from the beginning that you walk in love. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you don't lose what we have worked for, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching but goes beyond it does not have God. The one who remains in that teaching, this one has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your home and do not greet him, for the one who greets him shares in his evil works. Though I have many things to write to you, I don't want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister send you greetings. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. All right, back to verses 1 through 3, and that's probably where we'll stop today. The elder, to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth because of the truth that remains in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Now this letter was only 245 words in Greek, with only 3rd John being slightly shorter. It was written mostly, most likely from Ephesus between AD 80 and AD 95. The church historian Eusebius suggests that both 2nd and 3rd John were written after John was released from the Isle of Patmos where John had written Revelation. The letter writer remains anonymous here, self-titled as the elder. As an elder, this would define the relationship between the writer and the recipients. All of the unnamed titles in this short letter would have been obvious to the audience at the time. And in the basic use of elder, this term would be an old or aged man. However, in the Christian community, 
This took on more usage as one with authority and leadership based on the character of the individual. 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 3, Peter says this, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. By this, the elder was an exemplary person, an exemplary person that would be an example to the church. John, by this time, was indeed well along in age and well respected by all the churches as the last living apostle of Christ Jesus. John would fit the title as elder, certainly, and he didn't need to call on his apostleship in this letter. All right, second half of verse 1 through verse 2. To the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that remains in us and will be with us forever. While this verse has interested interpreters for generations as to whom the elect lady and her children were, is it a figurative reference to a specific local or faraway church body and its members? or to the universal church as a whole, or was there an individual lady and her children? Well, most scholars see this being a church and its members, and that seems to make all kinds of sense with the way John calls the church elsewhere. However you want to view it, the truth of what John is writing remains the same regardless of the audience. However, we will adopt the idea of this letter being addressed to a church chosen lady fits well with the idea of the church as chosen by God with the members being its spiritual offspring. Daniel Aiken writes that she is chosen because God elected her to belong to himself. In Revelation 19 we see in verse 6 that I heard something like the voice of a vast multitude like the sound of cascading waters and like the rumbling of loud thunder saying hallelujah because our Lord God the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad, rejoice, and give him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has prepared herself. She was given fine linen to wear, bright and pure. We have two key words in this short letter we need to focus on, and we will for the next several lessons. Love, being agape in Greek, and truth, being aletheia, in Greek. Notice what John writes here, whom I love in the truth. Love would appeal to their hearts and truth appeals to their minds. But both love and truth are twin Christian graces. Twin Christian graces. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says, but speak the truth in love. Let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up into love by the proper working of each individual part. But speaking truth in love, as he says here. When truth is absent, true love will be absent as well. I think that is true regardless of the situation. 
Truth becomes the framework that provides and supports meaning to any expression of love. In the Christian experience, both love and truth are essential, and they're never optional. In Paul's wonderful description of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, looking at verses 4 through 7, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it is not boastful, it is not arrogant, it is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. See that love rejoices in the truth. Truth is related to belief and behavior as in the actions of love. Jesus Christ is truth, and his love, he shows us, is unconditional. John chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Truth matters, and it mattered to John. And if deception and error slip into the church, the results will be tragic and devastating. John knew the truth and the personage and ministry of Christ Jesus and was certainly writing a letter that was going to be opposed to those false teachers that were around. All right, verse 2 says, Because of the truth that remains in us and will be with us forever. God's truth remains with his people, his children. This is an eternal truth, as it will be with us forever. The truth from God revealed in Jesus Christ is an abiding reality now and throughout eternity. That truth is with us through the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. Our security as a believer is as sure as the truth and character of God. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. goes on to verse 3. Well, this is a typical first century greeting, but it is dripping with grace and theological meaning. Grace and mercy was expressed as a blessing for everyone, including the writer here. Grace is God's unmerited favor that had its ultimate expression in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. Christ didn't deserve to die on the cross, nor did we deserve to have our sins forgiven in such a manner as Christ became the substitute for us. That is undeserved favor. Mercy is only mentioned here in everything else John has written. It's only here. But mercy is God's compassion and pity, his continuing readiness to forgive. And peace is a Hebrew concept emphasizing wholeness, and well-being of life in every aspect. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Daniel Aiken writes, Grace is God doing for us what we do not deserve. Mercy is his not doing to us what we deserve. And peace is God giving to us what we need based on his grace and his mercy. The word order is important as God's grace comes first, 
and mercy and peace flow from it. All these proceed from God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son of the Father. And once again, we see the importance of truth and love. Everything we receive from the Father, we receive from the Son, and those are never in opposition with each other. Well, I hope this podcast finds you well. I hope you look forward to remaining uh, podcast on Second John. And next episode 18, we'll pick up in Second John verse 4, living in truth and love. I pray that you have experienced God's grace and the outflowing of mercy and peace in your life. God bless you and take care.